0: Lisa and John Midick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockrey Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Today, I'm Never Better, and this is a show about colored pencil where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much. What are we talking about today?
1: We are answering some questions that our listeners have sent in.
0: The first one is, why do you guys always start with the same intro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure people wonder that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our actual first one comes from Alexis. He writes, based on your videos, it looks like you're using, or you only use an easel, both for drawing and painting. I'm trying to decide what to buy for drawing graphite and colored pencils, which I, which I should buy. I used to draw flat, but you know, that makes the image look skewed and elongated when positioned upright. So for me... Yes, I use an easel. But my thing with the easel, I actually never had a problem working flat. I could always see what I was doing. It never skewed anything because I would move the paper I was working on depending on what area I was working on. The drawback to that is you can't really easily back away and look away from it at a distance as I can upright at an easel. The main reason for me that I started working upright, it is horrible for your neck and back when you're looking down. And with colored pencil, we're doing that for at least for me, hours on end, I just lose track of time. And And I then, again, I have arthritis, so it's a bit worse for me, but it's not really good for anybody to be looking down like that. So I just had to get used to working upright. And it took a little bit. It was a, a little bit of a challenge for me because for so many years I had worked flat on a table. but. Once I got used to it, it's very very comfortable for me now. When I still do my initial st- sketch when I'm lying or drawing, I still am more comfortable to draw flat just for the initial outline. But once the the project is done, when I'm actually spending hours and hours upright or working on something upright has definitely been the way for me to go. And for me, I'm using an H-frame easel. You want something that's gonna be heavy enough that when you do apply pressure, while normally we say use a light hand as you're applying those initial layers, there is a time where towards the end that I tend to burnish. And I'm going to be adding more pressure to that paper. I need a heavyweight easel that's not going to slide away from me. So I've used two things. One, my H-frame easel, which is what I normally go with now. It sits on the floor, very heavy. It's not moving at all. And I put a drawing board, just a flat board behind it. That works out really well. What I did for years before I was working on the H frame, I did a drawing easel. They have those that are sit upright and I put it on one of those. It's like contact paper, that kind of rubbery material that comes in a roll. You can get it like Target or wherever. And I would put that under the easel and that helped keep the easel from sliding away when I added pressure. Plus that had a decent amount now, enough amount of weight that it wasn't sliding around. Now with that one, the paper, I either had to tape my, my artwork to that board or tape it to another board and I used rubber bands to like large rubber bands to keep it attached to the the actual drawing board it didn't really sit on its own well mine didn't anyway like the easel does so those have been the two that I then there's other ways you can go but those have been the two that I I've gone with and yeah I mean when I back away the the drawing I can see perspective wise that everything is in place but when I once that drawing is down working flat or upright I never found that to be an an issue as far as keeping my perspective and everything accurate
0: I draw in both directions. I mean, I draw on a table or it's actually a drafting desk, and then I also draw upright on an H frame easel. But when I'm on my table or my desk, it's not exactly flat at all. I've got it at an angle uh, so that I, I'm not skewing and elongating my image whenever I'm looking at it uh, because of that reason. That's why I'm doing that. Um, you notice right away that you're, you're, really skewing your perspective whenever you're drawing exactly flat unless you're just hunched way over on it and like we talked about that's what i would do that's, that's how yeah, i drew yeah. i was
1: like right on top of it or i would yeah, move my drawing board good. around on my lap um so it's kind of i'm I, I guess i was holding it up it just wasn't always on the table when i got that initial drawing out
0: oh i got you yeah on your lap yeah probably i was it moving on it around until i something. started
1: with the pencil once the pencil started mm-hmm. i just kept yeah. it flat but my drawing was already there my perspective was already there so that was never a problem for me as long as i had that done first. Mhm. And then what
0: well, yeah, no, that makes sense. Once in a while what i'll do is i'm working on something on on the desk and then i will get Tired of just sitting there working on it, and then I'll take it over to the easel, and I'll uh, start working on it upright. Some of the things that I've done, and mostly the things I've done in graphite, at least recently, I've done that on the easel. But I'm trying to get to where I'm only using the easel. Trying is the operative word there. I'm not <laughs> really good at doing that. And I'm not sure why. I mean, other than it's just a uh, habit, I guess, um, I start getting really, really tired in my lower back whenever I do that. And so it that hits on another issue that, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to dive too much into this topic, but that is uh, the idea of ergonomics and and posture and injury whenever you're doing your craft, when you're creating art and you're sitting at a desk and you're using your wrist, your arm, your elbow, your neck your head all of these things matter um keeping a wallet for men in their back pocket instead of in your front pocket all of those things make a big difference because you know we we know that over time if you're in that position it's it's going to affect you your health it's going to affect your posture uh, your body will overcompensate in some other area where it feels uh that some range of motion has been limited in some area so we have to keep those things in mind and I. this is the reason why I want to start doing everything upright and standing up because well it's better for your core as you age and you get older that's something that is extremely important to keep well exercising regularly eating regularly I, I said that really well <laughs> um, eating well that kind of stuff I mean it's all important this is a very sedentary type of skill that we're doing uh, craft or uh, uh, a hobby or an actual career for some of us, and it's it's important that we rest our eyes and that we get out and take walks. You know, you need to look at long distances. Uh, every fifteen or so minutes, uh, rather than just staring right up, I would say even more often than that. Your...
1: Honestly, at least look a, across the room. Yeah, I, across I the I would room say is an minute, important every thing. minute. I mean, constantly look up because I caused a lot of damage to my eyes early on from not doing that. So since I've switched, the progression of how bad my eyes were getting, where, where now I'm constantly look, you know, looking up away from the canvas or the drawing board, and looking across the room, and my eyes—they had the, my prescription more than doubled in less than a year. When I was initially, you know, my face was so – and I work – I like my face to be really close to the, the canvas as I'm working. But when I stopped doing that and started looking across the, the room, my – the progression – I mean, my eyes now are more like what an average person's would as far as how much my prescription goes up all the time. So yeah.
0: it really I mean, it's does, not a bad idea. That's that's a great idea. I mean, uh, if, you, if you read up on it, I mean, most ergonomicists say uh, 15 to 30 minutes. But yeah, I mean, it can't hurt, right? Yeah, you, you want do to it relax those
1: muscles, that, so. and maybe I'm more yeah. paranoid because how what happened to me, <laughs> but it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it doesn't take much, and you get used to it. I mean, just if you have a painting yeah. that you hung across the room, look at it. Focus on it and then go back to what you're working on. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's so quick to do. Yeah, it doesn't take much
0: time at all. No, and
1: it really does. Six seconds, 20
0: seconds, and you're done. And if you're thinking,
1: too, what the easels are working up right, if you're like, you you try it and you're like, meh, it's not for me. I'm so much more comfortable. You know, it's easier for me to work flat. Don't give up because I felt that way, too, at first. It took me a bit to get used to it, but now that I'm used to it, it's weird to me. To work flat in comparison, so yeah, don't just don't give up and think oh, I'm not good at it. Not for me. You, it, it's it is going to take you a bit to, to
0: right? Or do or try to do both if you if you yep. can, because I've been doing both and I'm I can actually say I'm comfortable with either doing do, doing either one now. Uh, I want to get to the point where I'm not having to sit down though at all like that. So all right. So our next question is from Catherine, and she says, "Do most colored pencil artists mount their commissioned artwork?" The commission I am finishing up, I am not sure if I should do this or just give it to them. They're in another city three hours away. They're picking it up, so I'm not shipping it. Is this something that others do prior to shipping it? I have no clue what I'm doing here. Thanks. It's kind of up to you. Um, I would say that if you are mounting it, and we probably need to define a few terms here, but mounting typically means that you're going to take either a paper uh, work or, or some other surface that you're using and then fix that to some other more permanent, uh, surface like a board or something like that. And if that's what you're meaning by this and you're not talking about framing, you're not talking about matting it, then it will add just a little more, uh, stability to the, the piece. And when you're shipping it, it might it might add you know, something to it. It might be easier to do that. I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't work on paper that you can roll up. I know some artists do that. Uh, most of the papers that I'm working on, I'm working on something that has to be flat. By the time I'm done with it, it, it needs to stay flat. I'm going to try to think in that direction early on in the process. And I would say, if at all possible, if you can mount that, then I would do that before you give that commission piece uh, to the customer. But you need to have those discussions up front. That's what I would say going forward. If you're going to uh, do this again, then you need to have those conversations with the person that you're doing the commission piece for and talk about that up front because you need to include that in your materials whenever you're uh, giving that quote um, and have all that squared away. Uh, if, you know, sometimes some artists will go ahead and talk about framing as well. Um, you know, so that's that's entirely up to you. That's something that some artists do, some don't. Uh, it certainly complicates things and makes it a lot more involved on your end whenever you're having to frame it for the person as well. Then you got to worry about colors and mats and all that stuff. But if you're just mounting it and then you're shipping it flat and you're insuring it, there's no guarantee that it's not going to get damaged, but you can do what you can. Uh, you know, you could go ahead and uh, ship it that way. If you're only three hours away, maybe consider driving an hour and a half if, you'll, if they'll compensate you for that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, just go ahead and ship it.
1: Yeah, and I want to bring up too, when you say mounting, going back to what John was saying about the definition, what do you mean by mounting? Because when someone says mounting to me, I think of mounting the work to a hardboard where you're using either like a a sort of glue or there's different ways to mount. They've got dry mounting and all kinds of different things. But working, I used to teach out of uh, Michael's. And so I I talked a lot with the framers. And when someone said mounting, they were talking about mounting it to a hardboard or a different surface like that. So that instead of having that flat paper, you've now got it on a hard surface. If you're going to do that, do that first before you start the project. You can work on a mounted surface. I do not recommend having finished artwork mounted because if someone screws something up, you can have an absolutely ruined piece. Even the best framer may have something go wrong. Someone drops the cutter. Or someone something could go wrong and hurt the piece. I would recommend because I like to work on. Paper that's been mounted to a board, the pro art panels is mounted that I work on, uh, or the stuff from pro art panels, the sanded paper, those are all what you would call mounting, at least in framing. So it's mount dry mounted. You know whether some use a sticky tape. There's all kinds of different ways. If something goes wrong, it's just do that before. If something's going to go wrong, I want it to happen on the blank paper, not on my finished artwork. So I can do the finished artwork while on the mounted board. So make sure you know, you know, and even when you're talking, like John was saying, go over all of this with your clients, make sure that you're using your, you know, show them examples of what you're talking about. Because mounting to one person maybe be something different than what you're implying. So um be very, very clear about that. And if you're talking about what I am, where it's being mounted, dry mounted or whatever to another board, once the artwork is finished, I would do that before the artwork is finished, if at all possible. Um, like I said, you can work on it. And it's actually nice to work on a surface that's already been mounted. So... Yeah, yeah, it is.
0: It's next to impossible uh, to use, at least the sanded surfaces that I've used, uh, to use them without having them mounted because they curl up and yeah. it's so difficult to work it, on. I taped yeah, like, yeah, it,
1: but I didn't like Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah,
0: it just doesn't work too well, um, I didn't think. But, yeah, that's my preference as well is to mount it ahead of time. I don't know that I would really trust anyone else to mount my pieces. I, I'm going to do that myself. So you test it first and you make sure... If you're using glue, you know, using yes paste or something like that, uh, that you know what you're doing and you've tested it prior to this and you've let it, you know, you've been able to witness what happens when you test that over weeks and months, that it's not something that, you know, you did one day and then, okay, I'm ready. I did my test a couple of days later and then you do it on your art piece. Uh, Because there can be some buckling that may happen if you're using the wrong materials. And you want to make sure that whatever you're mounting it on is always acid-free. But, you know, there's a double adhesive uh, type of dry mounting that you can do. There's, like we mentioned, there's a lot of other things that you could do. Decide all of that ahead of time. And like Lisa and I guess both prefer uh, doing it ahead of time, just working on something that is mounted.
1: Yeah, I can tell you times that I've been mounting things when you use the double-sided tape. Things just stuck where they weren't supposed to stick, and I'm mm-hmm. glad it wasn't on a finished mm-hmm. piece that, that that happened Right, to. right,
0: yeah. Yeah, you can't move anything around on that double yeah. adhesive film, uh, which is kind of the drawback there. I, I know there's people that say, oh, yeah, you can. Just use a brayer and just start pushing it around, you know, put wax paper on top of that. To or do do that on a or, finished line. Like, no, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that. Yeah. No. That this is not like a, a bad,
1: bad project. <laughs> like you're just asking for trouble at that point if it's a finished yeah. piece. if it's And if it's a blank paper, you can play around with that. You're not hurting much. I mean, you're out a couple of bucks for whatever you paid for the paper, but not a whole, you know, week, two week, month worth of work.
0: Right. No, exactly. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. We haven't talked about this sponsor in a while, Lisa, but I want to talk about Audible, audible audible.com. If you go over to audibletrial.com slash Podcast, you'll get a free book, an audio book with that membership. If this is your first time signing up with this particular link, you'll get a free 30-day trial, and that entitles you to a free audio book plus two Audible originals. After the trial, you get three titles each month, an audio book, Two Audible originals that's uh, included with that. So you can roll over any credits that are unused up to five months. There's so many great benefits to using Audible to listen to your audiobooks. You know, if you're trying to hunt around on YouTube and listen to some things that somebody stuck out there, you never know what you're going to get. But with Audible, you can choose oftentimes a particular narrator. Uh, it's just such a nice experience. Being able to listen to the book, a little sample of the book before you ever purchase. If you don't like the book, you can always return it and you'll not be charged. You'll get a full credit back for that particular book. Cancel at any time. They won't ask any questions and you can start back up at any time. All right. So that link, once again, is it'll be in the show notes, but it's audibletrial.com slash cppodcast.
1: So our next question comes from Cindy, who writes, I have a question which I can't seem to get an answer from anyone anywhere regarding the underdrawing. Some artists use pencils, some use colored pencil, and they use specific colors. I'm not sure what I should use because I've read a lot about graphite showing under the drawing. Can you share some of your insight on the underdrawing and what you think is best? Thanks very much, Cindy. So for me, I almost always use a regular graphite pencil. I will usually, if I'm working on white paper, it is um, normally going to be a 4H or a 6H pencil. So it's a very light pencil and I use a very light hand. I want to just barely be able to see the lines. Now you may, if you follow me on, on any of the social media sites where I'm posting in progress pieces, when I show the initial outline, I have to edit that a lot in Photoshop or some kind of photo editing app so that you can see the lines because they're too light. You wouldn't otherwise be able to see them. So they'll always look darker when... And I I post there, but the actual lines that I have, I just barely want to be able to see them. If, if one of the things I used to do with my students, if you push very hard with it, I would make them draw it over again. Throw that paper out. We're starting over. The line drawing has to be light, but I have never had a hard time with graphite lines showing through. Now you have to keep in mind, I do a lot of layers with my colored pencil. A lot. So, the you know, I think the people that are having a hard time with that graphite showing through are not doing a lot of layers. Also, when I go over it with the odorless mineral spirits, that may have something to do with mine really being worked out. You're not seeing that once everything's blended with the way that the colored pencil dissolves into that, that area wherever the, the pencil was. So that probably helps. But I'm doing a lot of layers. I'm using a very light hand. And I'm using a lead, a very hard lead, that gives me a very light, light graphite line now the exception to that for me is if I'm going to work on either sanded paper or my um, like a dark the canton me tans the dark papers that I've used with that I'm going to use a colored pencil to draw because the graphite lines it's too much where I can't see what I'm doing it really doesn't show you know you just see a shiny area so with those I will use a darker colored pencil usually a gray um, or a darker gray that will show up just enough for me to see the outline and I just let that blend in with whatever area I'm working on on sanded paper it doesn't matter which pencil you use it is going going to look black it comes out super dark but once I blend over it with the colored pencils it just works its way out so I've never had a problem with the end result in either any of those cases with the graphite showing
0: with sanded paper it doesn't really matter you it will not matter at all because you'll have so many layers on top of that and that's one of the nice beautiful things about sanded paper is you can put light over dark and you're not going to see whatever was Underneath yeah. that, anyway, I typically will use the call erase line by Prismacolor. Uh, those are colored pencils that you can it, you can erase entirely, so you don't have to worry about any you know any of these pencil lines showing through if it's graphite or anything making it look muddy. One thing to keep in mind is if you are using a real hard pencil, I'll, I'll use like a two H or an HB, and HB uh, works fine for me, but. And most of the time I don't use those anymore anyway because I'm using the collar race. But if you are doing that and you're using a real hard pencil, you can get an impressed line. You, you make a groove into that soft cotton paper if you're using a soft cotton paper. And sometimes that will kind of mess up your finish on your piece later on, or you'll be battling it. You'll be fighting that little ingrooved area that you've accidentally created. So this is a reason why I like to use, uh, well, for one, if you are going to use that hard pencil, Use a very, very light, light touch. But that's the reason why I like to use the call eraser, kind of a softer pencil. The nice thing is that they, you can erase them entirely. Again, if you're going to be layering a lot, if you're if you know you're going to layer a whole bunch on this piece the finished product is going to have so many layers on top of it chances are whatever color you used underneath it's not going to be showing through but just test that test it on a separate sheet of paper the same type of paper that you're using and put as many layers as you think you're going to be using and uh, you probably will not be running into any problems with that. I have seen pieces done where I see graphite underneath there, and it is a bit distracting. Most of the time, people that don't have their nose on a piece like I do, I'm just getting up close and looking at things sometimes, and I'll notice that. But most of the time, people aren't looking that close. But it will, you know, it, it is a valid concern that that can show through if you're not careful. All right, so we didn't mention this at the top of the show, but if you have a question, you can go over to sharpenedartist.com slash q and a q a n d a Q-A-N-D-A, and submit your question right there, and who knows? We may answer it on the show. So this is a weekly show, and we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.